welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means, sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. Often we learn important lessons in unexpected places. Rob and the kids and I have been spending the winter in central California, in San Luis Obispo, largely because we felt like we couldn't quite handle distance learning with three kids at home in our snowy paradise of Minneapolis. So we decided to head west back to the area that we are originally from and set up temporary camp in California. Those of you who've been listening to the podcast for some time or perhaps follow me on social media know that in addition to being a uh, psychologist for entrepreneurs and leaders, I have a side life as a circus artist, uh, usually as an aerialist. Upon arriving to San Luis Obispo, I was beyond thrilled to see that a full rig, which is a full setup for a flying trapeze, has been set up in the yard of the Madonna Inn, about eight minutes from where we're living in San Luis Obispo. I've done a little bit of work on the trapeze before, but it's actually not an easy apparatus to train because it requires obviously such specialized equipment and a team of people to support trapeze training. There are a few trapeze rigs near our home in Minnesota, but one is about 40 minutes away from our house and the other is only open in the summer and it's about an hour from us. So it's not something that I get to do often until now. So if you will indulge me in mixing my worlds a little bit, I thought I would spend this episode of the podcast reflecting on what I'm learning about running my business and my professional life through my trapeze training. If you've worked with me or heard me speak or maybe spent any time with me, you know that play is deeply important to how I conceptualize human well-being and mental health, especially in the context of the pandemic and in my own personal experiences of grief and loss. Play has been a through line that helps people to feel hopeful helps people rest, helps restore motivation, and more scientifically allows for the diversification of the neurological systems in our brain. Staring at a screen, doing technical work, even talking one-on-one to people utilizes sort of specific neuronal pathways within the brain. And when we do very different kinds of activities, we are diversifying the sections of our brain that have strong connections which is incredibly important to neurological health over the course of our lives. Which again, if you've been hanging around me or this podcast for any amount of time, you've heard me say before and you know. So as a way of practicing what I preach, I've gone big on the trapeze over the last couple of months, practicing several times a week. I've got the the calluses and scars to prove it. But more than a playful release of energy or a way to stay fit or, hey, even a way to help my brain be healthy, the trapeze has become an important teacher for me. In case you have never seen a flying trapeze in real life 
or have never had the opportunity to go to the circus. The trapeze was invented in 1859 by a Frenchman, and it is performed 20 to 40 feet above the ground, where a trapeze artist jumps on a platform while holding a bar that is attached high above the artist or the flyer's weight on a bar then functions as a pendulum, sort of like a mass that would be attached to the end of the string. So the trapeze and flyer are pulled by gravity into this momentum. And thanks to centrifugal force, the flyer is heaviest at the bottom of the swing. And at the top of the swing, the two tops of the swing, there's a moment of weightlessness. And it's usually in that moment that tricks are performed. The flyer may go into splits, a knee hang, or may get fancy and leave the bar into backflips, front flips, layouts, all kinds of things. And to make a great show, the flyer is caught at the top of the swing by a catcher who is also swinging from another bar suspended from high above. Okay, so you, have, you haven't seen this. You got to Google it. Otherwise, you're not going to have an idea of what I'm talking about. The first lesson that I have learned by practicing trapeze is that training drives intuition. If you see a master trapeze artist, just like an artist in any other field, their movement, their work, everything about their performance looks seamless. It looks intuitive. It looks like the thing that they were born to do. Not that unlike successful entrepreneurs around us who have really nailed their products, have beautiful marketing, have sort of this seamless presentation of their business that looks so intuitive. It looks obvious. But on the trapeze, as in a successful business, none of that seamlessness is automatic. I've spent the last two months working tirelessly on two things. One, how to jump off the platform. And two, how to swing. And those seem like the easiest, most fundamental things that any of us could do. You just hold on and jump off, right? Or you just kick your legs back and forth and you move back and forth, right? When I first started the trapeze, I gave zero credit to the amount of effort, diligence, and training that goes into these most basic components. On the trapeze, the tricks aren't actually the hard part the flips and the fancy things. It's building the foundation of movement and momentum that is the hard part. And that requires tiny movements working in sync at exactly the right timing, practice and practice over and over, messing it up over and over, fixing one thing, breaking another thing. It's time and effort and diligence that makes that seamless intuitive outcome possible. Similarly, in a business, the outcome rarely really tells the story of all of the tiny movement, tiny practices, agonizing over wording that goes into the thing that we put out into the world. The things that look intuitive and seamless are the result of thousands and thousands, months, years of practice and effort. The thing about learning trapeze too is that, of course, the physics are really different in the air than when you are on the ground. I've practiced over and over to feel the moment of weightlessness. 
I understand it cognitively at the top of the swing, there's a moment of weightlessness. I understand the physics, but to feel it in my body and know it in my mind requires so much practice and almost unlearning how to think. And I think that's kind of an important marker of developing expertise and competence is that we train, 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 think, 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 work, work, work. And then at some point, we almost have to let all of that foundational effort go and shift into the intuitive part of just knowing, of just feeling when the right moment to go into the trick or to let go is. The challenge that I have on the trapeze is not to brag, but I'm very strong. So it's possible for me to lift my body weight and sort of force myself into positioning without using the physics of the swing or the motion. So I can use my strength to cheat, which is problematic because it means that I'm working harder than I need to, to get the same result and also shortchanging my learning, therefore taking it much longer for me to develop the repetitive patterns that will ultimately lead to that intuitive sense of timing that will lead me to knowing when the weightless moment is. And just as an aside, the weightless moment is incredibly important because that's when all the interesting stuff happens. That's when the tricks happen. That's when the catch happens. That's when it could be safe to step back onto the, the board if you're returning to the board. The weightless moment, the moment without any effort, is the opening into all of the cool, interesting, creative things that are possible on a trapeze. So if training preceding intuition is the first lesson... The second lesson is that so much of this is about timing. When I'm swinging into place, hopefully to be caught by a catcher, timing is everything. I have to listen to exactly when he tells me to go to jump off the board and then exactly when he tells me to release off of the trapeze, off of the bar and extend my hands for the catch. If I leave the bar too early... The physics of my swing and motion will propel me toward him with a level of speed and being out of control that's dangerous to both of us. So if I anticipate, if I jump the gun, I come flying toward him. And he's also not yet at the top of his swing. So he is in motion toward me. Bad situation. If I leave the bar too late, if I hesitate, after he calls me off of the bar. Both the trapeze that I'm on and the trapeze that the catcher is on are moving away from the pinnacle of the swing. So we'll miss the catch because we're moving away from each other and our bodies are farther apart than they should be. And if we do somehow happen to grab the catch, it's almost this sort of jarring feeling, a little bit of whiplash, because both bodies were already in motion in the other direction. And then they've been sort of jolted together (laughs) to change direction abruptly. It kills the swing. It kills that motion, the synchronicity of motion and swinging together such that returning to the bar becomes impossible. What looks like tremendous skill and athleticism is actually timing. It's patience. It's listening. Frankly, not to overstate it, but I have found that to be such a profound lesson for me as I think about leadership. 
the moments of greatness, the moments where it works perfectly are not a product of brute strength or technical gymnastic skill. They're not about pointed toes. They are purely about listening, being patient, and going at exactly the right time. Hands down, the leaders that I most respect, those that I work with directly, those that I read about, are people who are elegant in their timing. They manage their anxiety so that they're not thoughtlessly rushing. They manage their overwhelm so that they are not slow to react or lethargic. They don't seem out of touch. Excellent leaders listen well and they execute intentionally with patience. Lesson three, you have to trust your team. I've recently started doing some flying without safety lines, which means it's just me and the trapeze and my own practice of being able to fall appropriately into the net or safely into the net. But the vast majority of trapeze work, especially at the highest levels, is absolutely 100% a team sport. There's a lot of magic that happens between the flyer and the catcher, and that requires deep level of trust. This spring, I've been working on a trick called a back layout in which I swing the trapeze to the top of the swing, point my toes toward the sky, let go and arch my back. And I'm coming around backwards. So if the catcher is going to catch me, he's going to catch me before I can see him. So in that process, I have to listen for when he calls me off and then extend my arms and just wait for the catch. If he calls me off the bar too soon, as I mentioned before, we crash. Too late, we miss. Everything about the magic of trapeze happens because there are bodies moving in this kind of synchronized motion. And that's just the most obvious element of team. There's another member of the team, the person who's standing on the board. The board is just like what it sounds. It's a really kind of a piece of plywood. (laughs) I guess it probably comes in metal too, but it's way smaller than it seems like it should be. The board is the thing that you jump off of. So you climb a ladder high up onto the board. You're handed the trapeze. You jump from there. So there's a person on the board who, at least at this point in my trapeze life, is spotting me, is helping me make sure that my takeoff is safe, but also performs this very important role of throwing the bar back to the flyer at the exact moment so that after the catch is completed, the flyer can actually return back to the bar. So the spotter on the board catches the bar after the catch is complete and then sends it back. It sounds a little bit complicated, but if you watch a video of a trapeze show, you'll, you'll see exactly what I mean. Every little detail happens because the team is working together. Everyone, not just the person who looks like the flying superstar, everyone is committed to that seamless, flawless presentation by doing their piece of the story perfectly. And of course, we know in business context that there's nothing that kills momentum more than a team that doesn't trust each other or a team that's made up of individuals who are all equally committed to the outcome. When there's a lack of clarity about how each individual contribution needs to happen, and then there's a lack of trust that each of those contributions will happen in the right time. 
the outcome is almost damned from the start. The trust and the commitment of the team is the thing that will make or break every piece of your business. And in the case of trapeze, it's the thing that goes from being this beautiful show to something that's dangerous and even deadly. So that brings me to my last lesson learned about trapeze. And that is that everything extraordinary is a mental game. By this point, I've probably climbed the ladder to the board, I don't know, between 120 and 150 times. And I tell you the truth, I am scared every time. I hate the ladder. It's way too skinny and way too subject to movement for my taste. The board still feels way too small. And every time I have to lean over off of the board to grab the bar of the trapeze, I have to intentionally steady myself with my breath. Every time I have the conversation between my mind and my body where my body says, is this really a good idea? I'm not sure this is a good idea. And my mind says, it's okay. It's good for us. I also realize how susceptible my performance on the trapeze is to any kind of emotional distraction. So if I'm feeling kind of bummed one day or if I'm feeling really stressed out, if I've had too much caffeine, the intricacy of that timing is much more difficult. I have a harder time letting my mind go and, and letting the intuition take the place of the, the mental effort of training. If my coach gives me lots of feedback after one flight and my brain feels too full, the anxiety sort of takes over and I can't like integrate any of the feedback. So I have great relationships with the people that are coaching me and I can say, okay, tell me two things, two things to fix, two things to do differently. Because if they tell me more, my adrenaline and my fear are already elevated and I just can't absorb anything else. And so if they, the times that they have told, told me more pointers or more things to do differently, I've basically not been able to implement any of them. So understanding the limits of how many pieces of data or intentions I can hold in my mind at one time has been really helpful. The last piece of the mental game that I'm really aware of is the challenge of not being hard on myself. My coaches assure me that it is normal to learn a trick and then struggle with consistency. And it's normal to be able to return to the bar or nail the catch sometimes. And then other times it's just not working for a variety of reasons. Unlike any other circus sport or any other sport really that I've done, trapeze is subject to so many more variables, wind, temperature, such that someday, despite my earnest effort, it's just not working out the way that I want it to. And then the things that I tell myself, the way that I work with that disappointment becomes extraordinarily important because it is, after all, supposed to be fun. This is my playtime. And the extent to which I berate myself or live in that sense of frustration doesn't make me a better flyer. It doesn't make me a better athlete. It doesn't make me a better businesswoman. So the mental game in circus and trapeze, just like the mental game in running a business, is where I think the real battles are held. Being willing to try over and over and over, sometimes with it succeeding, sometimes with it not succeeding, the difference is feeling quite arbitrary. Being able to keep showing up even when the critical voices are speaking loud in your head. 
the ability to manage your fear, the ability to speak kindly to yourself while also encouraging yourself to press into your limits, to press against what's possible for you. Unfortunately, our time in California is coming to an end here pretty soon, and I won't have such easy access to trapeze training. I'm hoping to be able to go at least once a week when I return to Minneapolis. But I'm so very grateful for this season of having this wonderful accessibility to something that has been so hard and so fun and also such a great teacher. And obviously, there's nothing deeply special about the trapeze. You could learn these lessons from lots of different hobbies and activities, whether it's brewing your own beer or woodwork or baking. But I hope that you will find something that you love in addition to your business and your family and friends, something that you love that is also stretching you and teaching you and that you will spend those moments to think about how those lessons translate back into the other parts of your life. One of my deep delights is sharing trapeze with others. So a couple of my children are enthusiasts. And yes, Rob has even been up a few times. If you're ever in the neighborhood, hit me up and I'll try to convince you to join the trapeze with me. But in the meantime, thanks for listening to these lessons about training, trust, teamwork, timing, and as ever, the mental game. I appreciate you listening. If you'd like more trapeze and circus-inspired material, feel free to follow me on Instagram at Sherry Walling or tune into future episodes of the podcast, which inevitably have a dash of circus on the side. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.